I just want to say a huge thanks to everybody who's shared in and contributed to this service today, both in uh, the videos, but also in the making and all the behind the scenes work that went into making it happen. It's been a lot of fun and we appreciate it. We're going to take a pause today on our series on the Gospel of Mark. Uh, Pastor Sandy will be teaching next Sunday as we, as we return to it. So, uh, but today we want to talk a little bit about what it means to be a church family on this Family Day Sunday. Uh, we're actually going to use the theme from our River Kids curriculum, which is all about the power of kindness. And, and stay with us at the end of this, because I want to introduce you to an initiative that we're going to be kicking off through the month of March. And we would love for as many of you as possible to, to be a part of it. And the good news, it's not on Zoom. Today, we're going to talk about the power of kindness, because whether it's a small act or a medium-sized act, a, a gesture of kindness can make someone's day it can make their week, and it can actually has the power to change a life. And the amazing thing about God, too, is when we think about kindness, it's one of his characteristics, that God who's holy and all-powerful and all-present, when he comes to us, he comes to us in the form of Jesus who shows people kindness. And as we've been going through the Gospel of Mark, we've seen time and time again that when Jesus meets people, that when he has his very first interaction with them, one of the things that strikes us is that he's kind, the story that struck me is the one where in the very first chapter of Mark, when Jesus comes to Peter's house and his mother-in-law is ill, she's got a fever. He takes her by the hand and he heals her in that moment. An act of this holy, all-powerful God comes to us and shows, and shows kindness. And it's so powerful. And kindness becomes one of the characteristics that should really mark the life of every Christian. Uh, there should be no mean Christians. We should be known for our kindness. In fact, when you let the Holy Spirit have rule and reign in your life, and when you are surrendering to the Spirit, and to use Ephesians language, when you're walking in step with the Spirit, one of the things that happens, one of the fruits of that is kindness. And so kindness should be the mark of a church. So on this Family Day weekend, when we're thinking about what it means to be church family, I want you to imagine what it would be like for each of us to unleash kindness towards each other, for there to be this great move of kindness uh, from house to house, from family to family, couple to couple, person to person, uh, that God would use, um, especially in a time such as this. And so I want to talk today from a passage in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25, to kind of get us started. So you can look it up or you can just listen. I'm going to read it for you here today, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It reads like this, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, the more time you spend reading the scriptures, I hope you'll start to develop an eye for passages like this. And that when you look at this passage, you'll notice right away that the writer on three separate occasions uses the phrase, let us, which is why this is the theme verse for all vegetarians, of course. Some of you will get that later. But the more you read, I hope that you will notice this and say, okay, the author is trying to point out three specific things that we should pay attention to in this text. And so I'm going to use those three, let us, as the points for today's message. And the first is this, let us hold on to our hope in God. Other translations say, hold fast or cling to or keep a firm grip on our hope in the Lord. 
Now, when I was a kid and when we were little, we used to go snowmobiling. And I can remember my dad would drive and we would sit on the back and our only job was to hold on. We didn't exactly know where he was going or how fast he would go or how tightly he would take a corner. Our only job was to hold on. Now, the writer of Hebrews is writing to a group of Christians, as we find so often, living in a time of persecution, living in a time when they were tempted to let go, tempted living in a time when following God was not easy. It was costly, and there was a real sense of discouragement in the church at that time. And so the writer invites them and calls them to say, at this time, do not give up. You've got to hold on to your hope. And I think for some of you today, maybe this is going to be the verse that sticks out to you or the part of the verse that sticks out to you the most because that's kind of where you're at. Right now, you're tempted to let go. You're tempted to stop holding on and you're just feeling discouraged. Well, the writer reminds us each kind of an invitation to hope saying, look, hold on, do not give up because you can count on the Lord. He is faithful and his promises are true. Now, the other next let us in this passage says, let us motivate one another towards love and good deeds. Now, now that we've chosen hope uh, over giving up, now we can help others do the same. And now we have to give thought to what is it going to look like for you and I to motivate others not to retreat, but to help them find ways to express their love through kind of practical acts or through good deeds which is really the spirit behind the initiative that we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. But I don't want you to miss what's going on here because the author is reminding us that we are responsible for each other's well-being. We are our sisters and our brother's keeper. So if we know someone is struggling, if we know someone is going through a difficult time, it is our responsibility as the family of God, as the church, to look out for them and to be thinking about ways that we can come alongside and to help them. Now, I was reading a book this past week in preparation, thinking about the power of kindness, and I was reading a book on the fruit of the Spirit, and the author was talking about Paul's description of the church found in 1 Corinthians, where he describes the church as a human body, and he talks to us that each of us are like a separate part of the body, that we're held together, that Christ is the head, but each of us make up a, a specific part, and he wrote this, and I thought it was really interesting. He said, belonging to each other is not so much a question of possession as it is of connection. We belong to each other because God has brought us together, connecting us to one another through and in Christ. And listen to this, without this connection, there is no body. Without this connection, there is no body. None of us would regard as a body a collection of body parts warehoused in proximity to each other, yet lacking vital, life-giving connection. So I read that. I was struck by that, and I was thinking about it. In fact, in the foyer one day here at the office, I was sharing it with some of the staff. And then a couple hours later, Amy Baxter sends me this picture that she came across accidentally online mildly disturbing as it may be. It captures for us what the author is talking about, this box full of doll parts. And it raises the question, is this the image of the church that we want to be? A bunch of individual parts disconnected? Maybe this is how you're feeling right now. 
It's part of our concern as church leadership that if we are not intentional about being connected to each other, that this could be what we look like by the time this pandemic is over. Just a bunch of viewers on YouTube. But other than that, with no vital life-giving connection. So how do we do that? Especially right now. Because that question for us is mission critical. It leads us to the third let us that's in this passage. Let us keep connected and encourage each other, he says in verse 25. The writer is saying that when things are tough, it's easy to become disconnected, to stop putting in the effort and the work required to maintain these life-giving relationships. And that's what we see happening here. Let us stop, let us not give up meeting together, as he says, as some are in the habit of doing. And then in difficult times, people slowly start to drift apart. They start participating in community life like they used to, in their church family like they used to. And this is not so much a criticism. Remember, these people were living in tough, tough times. And when all of your energy is being used to kind of survive and to do the daily things of everyday life, it's hard to find energy at the end of the day to stay connected with other people. And that's what this passage is talking about. And we can relate. How many times have you said to yourself, you know, I haven't seen so-and-so for so long. I should give them a call. Or, you know, I heard that uh, this person had, had a loss or a death in their family and I've been meaning to reach out, but you really haven't gotten around to it yet. It takes intentional effort. How many of you have noticed that since January, you've just kind of found it even harder to stay connected to people? Well, this is what the author is speaking about and calling us here, saying if we're going to turn that trend around, it's going to require intentionality. And it's going to have to start with us. Right now, it takes intentional effort for you to be connected with your friends. It used to kind of happen intentional, unintentionally. You'd just go to work and you'd see people at work and you'd visit, you'd catch up. You'd go to a Sea Dogs game, you'd run into each other at a, at a restaurant. And without much intentionality, you got all kinds of visiting and connectedness happening. It used to be same as your church family. You did not have to be as intentional before. If you just showed up to a worship service, you had people greeting you at the door, you got crammed into the foyer and you got smashed together with 10 other people trying to find your way either into the service or out of the service. And in that time, you would visit, you would catch up, even in short little chunks and periods of time, there was something significant that was happening in those connections. And right now, all of that is gone. Meaning we must be intentional, which is exactly the spirit of this verse. Let us, let us start with us. Because it's in situations like this that kindness has such power. Imagine if you're one of these people who are going through a difficult time, you're starting to fade away, you're feeling more and more disconnected, you're struggling to have the energy even to think about these things, and suddenly someone shows up at your door, or someone calls you, or someone reaches out to you with an act of kindness. Maybe it's in word, maybe it's in deed. It doesn't matter how big it is. It's a powerful thing. And if we go back to this disturbing image of all the doll parts in a box, slowly these acts of kindness start to make you feel more connected to that other person. In fact, let me share an example of that with you right now. I'd like to introduce you to Don Shaw. Many of you will know Don. Uh, I love Don. He's got just such a heart for the scriptures. Uh, he's so great at welcoming and meeting new people. 
Uh, but recently Don went through some health challenges and he's going to tell us a little bit about the power of kindness in his own circumstances. So just watch this interview. Well, hey, Don, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what's been going on in your life recently? Well, Rob, in December, I uh, was admitted to the regional hospital. If that's exciting, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I, uh, I have a history of a, had a history of a faulty valve in the back of my heart, and uh, it's consistent with my family. So anyway, I was admitted, and uh, um, they did open heart surgery on me. It was an extensive surgery, about five and a half to six hours. Um, but the good thing is that the uh, mitral valve, which is what it was, it was, was repaired successfully. And uh, after uh, going back to my room and recuperating, I was stayed in the hospital another seven days, and at which time I was uh, released to go home and uh, have Janet look after me. <laughs> oh, good. Good. We're glad that she did. Well, that's funny. Yeah. Well, during this, during this time, both in hospital and, and since you've get, gotten home, why don't you describe some of the acts of kindness that have been directed yours and Janet's way? Yeah. Um, I guess practically from the time of my surgery date, um, really, I was just inundated with so many acts of kindness, um, text messages, um, emails, uh, private messages, um, food deliveries to our house. Mm -hmm. And um, so many phone calls mm -hmm. and uh, many, many people um, just telling me that, look, we're with you. We're praying with you mm -hmm. and we're praying for you, for your, uh, for your surgery, for your post-op recovery period. And um, it, was, it was just uplifting to me to, uh, to have so many people um, express the fact that they were with me during and uh, post-op. Um, so there was so many acts of kindness that were extended to me. And uh, e even the hospital staff, mm. uh, they, were, they were incredible up in the heart unit. Um, they, they cared for me. They looked after me. And even though I was in a lot of pain, probably wasn't the best patient. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, were, uh, they showed a lot of compassion. Oh, that's and, great. Uh, just, just the way they professionally did their job, um, they... They just tended to me in a wonderful right. way, and it uh, you know it made an impact on me. Oh, that's great. I mean, I and it's such a hard time. Obviously, there's so many limitations to showing kindness to people, but I could tell just even from the way you told your story that that they really meant a lot to you. Why did they mean so much? Um, well, I, I tell, uh, this morning I was watching uh, TV, and uh, they were talking about uh, the riots and the uh, and and the mess, the unrest. And the protests that are going on in Russia and Myanmar, mm -hmm. and recently, of course, we all know about the capital riots there. Mm -hmm. And uh, then they started talking about COVID-19 and how there's now uh, 2.3 million people who've died around the world from it. Mm -hmm. And I can I can understand how people would could easily become, you know, very depressed mm -hmm. and uh, wonder if there's any any hope for this world. Right. Um, so I guess with my experience, as I reflected back on it. Um, I realize that this is just simply not true. Mm. Uh, so many people express so much kindness to me. So many people reached out in a wonderful way and calling Janet to see how I was doing and uh, just to assure her that they were praying for me. And um, So I guess it was just the love and the compassion that was shown to me on so many fronts mm. that uh, 
it just it just meant a lot. And I guess before surgery, somebody asked me if I was nervous about the surgery, and I said, "No, not really. Um, I'm not going through this alone. Um, the uh, I've had assurances from so many people that they'd be praying me through this this, this whole matter, and uh, I guess I took a real comfort in that, and just had a I guess I had a sense of calm and a sense of peace in knowing that, you know, I might be going through the surgery, but I'm not going through alone. Right. And uh, just to know that people were there supporting me, praying for me, looking after um, just my family, caring for my family, mm-hmm. and uh, just expressions of kindness in so many, in so many ways. Um, I guess I was overwhelmed, really, um, as I think back about the uh, about the various so many different ways that people reached out. Um, I had so many phone calls and just people just, you know, just, just give me the assurance. They're in my camp. They're praying for me and, um, and to uh, just to let me know that, that they're with me all the way through this. And so I had, I had a sense of calm. I had a sense of peace. Even as I went to the operating table, I, I wasn't, I wasn't uptight or I wasn't nervous. I just, I did feel that peace that, I probably wouldn't have felt otherwise. That's great. Well, we're glad. We're glad the surgery went well. We're glad that you're recovering well. We're glad that you're able to be there now uh, for Janet. And thanks for sharing with us today. Yeah. Okay. You're welcome. Well, I appreciate Don sharing his story. It's a great example of what we're talking about, about the power of kindness being received and the difference that it makes in someone's life. Now I want to take a few minutes and I want to invite you to participate in an initiative that we're launching in the month of March. And we would love as many of you as possible to participate. How many of you have returned home from work or being out and you found a card in your mailbox? Maybe you found a little gift in your porch, a little something hanging on the doorknob of your apartment. And you opened it up and there was someone had thought of you and they gave you something. It doesn't matter how big or small it was. They thought of you and they extended some form of kindness to you. And it's such a great feeling brought on by such a small act of kindness. Well, in the month of March, as I said earlier, we want to unleash a tidal wave of kindness uh, from within our church family. And here's how it's going to work. We're going to invite you to sign up to be a porch pal. Now, a porch pal is someone who you'll sign up and we're going to match you with another pal from our church, maybe an individual, maybe a couple, maybe a family. And as a porch pal, your only job is to think of one way each week to show kindness to your pal through the month of March. Now, this is going to be easy for you because so many of you are used to volunteering and showing kindness and serving on a regular basis But you know, in these last few months, you've not been able to do so like you normally would. So you have this surplus of unspent kindness in your heart. I know you do. It's just waiting to be directed at somebody. Your servant heart is aching for a chance to kind of be unleashed and to be a blessing to someone else. Well, this is going to be your chance. When you sign up to be a porch pal, you will now have someone to direct your kindness to someone to encourage, someone to pray for, someone to be thinking about throughout the week, and they will have you in the same way. Your only job is to think of one way each week to show kindness to your pal. 
And we want this to be fun. We don't want you to stress about this or to be worried about it or to this to kind of, uh, you know, make you something to be upset about. We just want you to have fun. How can I be a blessing to this person? And I can't wait to see how creative you're going to get. So here's how it's going to work. We're going to invite you to register to be a porch pal, just like you register for everything else at River Cross Church. Go to our church website. You can register there. We've got a registration form for you, and you can fill it out. We've got some questions that we're going to ask you that will help us make a better match. If you do not have access to the internet, then you can call the office and we will register you that way as well. If you live outside of the city or the province, we're going to connect you with somebody else from outside of the city or province, and then we'll give you some virtual options and ways to connect. After you've signed up, we're going to take some time and meet, and we're going to match up pals. Then we will let you know, here's your pal. We're going to make some introductions, and you're off to the races. We will send you an email every week reminding you and giving you some suggestions of things that you could do. And maybe if you've got a great idea, let us know and we'll share it with other people as well. And then enjoy, have fun, be as creative as you want in thinking about a way to show kindness to your pal once a week through the month of March. And ultimately the win will be this. You're going to get to unleash that kindness to somebody you're going to get, for many of you, to meet somebody from your church family that you've never known before. You're going to get to become connected with them in a way that you would never would have met them. You're going to experience the joy of thinking about someone else, praying for someone else, and directing kindness towards someone else. Because we know the greatest source of joy is not when we do things for ourselves. It's when we do things for other people. Kindness is a powerful thing. So we invite you to sign up today in the next few days to be a porch pal and we'll get you started and look after you. And uh, your only job is to think about how can I show kindness to someone once a month through the month or once a week through the month of March. Let me pray for us. God, today, we thank you that one of the marks of the family of God is love. And not just love within our hearts, but love expressed to other people. And Lord, it's one of the ways in which the body of Christ is knit together, that we discover what it means to be a family in the giving and the sharing of kindness towards one another. Lord, I just pray for our church. God, I pray that this would be something that you would use to encourage, to strengthen, and to bring joy to people at what is a difficult time for so many. Lord, we thank you and we pray that this will just um, reignite our hearts to be thinking about other people, to be praying for other people, to be looking and dreaming of opportunities, Lord, that we have as this river that flows to be a blessing to other people. And God, that as we do, that our hope and our trust in you would be strengthened and that you would be glorified. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.